Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. We took a bye week last week, but we are back at it. Um, thank you, as always, for joining us. I'm Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at awhite7877. You can follow my prevaricative co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, oh. at yeah, at DC Matt Shack and at Half Shack Cat. Uh, you can follow our digital media coordinator at One Pursuit Takes, our blog contributor at MDT 0618-18815, and the show at Half Street High Heat. What's up, fellas? What's going on? It's been a little bit. It's been a little bit. How you I doing? I don't know. I'm doing great. Like, you know, I get there's not a huge, uh, I, although when we wait two weeks, more news obviously piles up. But how am I supposed to go two weeks without talking to you guys? It's tough. I mean, we've done weekly episodes, even throughout, you know, the preseason, pre-offseason, off-preseason, whatever you want to call it. And now we're just like going cold turkey almost. I know. You do I don't that know. to me. How can I live without you? It's tough. It's tough stuff. That was stuff. pretty good. That was that pretty was good, good thanks. actually. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> I feel very serenaded. As that's you Ryan, should. That's Ryan's job, but uh Yeah, he so. does usually he is usually the singer on the pod. No, I, I honestly think that's me. We should do superlatives at some point. Oh, but, that's a good one. Like mo- yeah. yeah, I like that idea. That it'd be most fun. likely to sing on the podcast. Yeah, Ryan would get that one, I think. <laughs> Well, I, th- I actually, speaking of Ryan, I have a bone to pick with you. I need to talk to you oh. about Die Hard. What's pilfer? We, okay. What's yeah. pilfer? <laughs> we need to I talk about Die Hard now. Die, so die is Hard is movie. my favorite movie. In, and it in is his a defense, movie. in his defense, I'm the one who started it because I've tweeted this before. I don't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I watched it's it for not. the first time recently. But let me ask you this then what makes something a Christmas movie? Um, what is it about not something? Die Hard. Hold on, hold on. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, so is Harry Potter because there's a Harry Potter. I'm sorry, there's a Christmas scene in Harry Potter. Yeah, literally. Okay, is half the Harry Potter soundtrack Christmas songs? The only reason why they're Christmas songs is because they are they're taking, at an office Christmas yeah, party. Yeah, that's the only reason why. Right, if it but took the place whole premise of the like, movie, oh, Thanksgiving movie doesn't work if they're not. There's not a Christmas party. The whole reason that all the that's executives are there—that's not true at all. They could be there for an action movie. They could be there for um, a regular staff meeting, um, a quarterly meeting, um, going over the budget. They could be there for a Halloween party. Would it be a Halloween movie if they're there during a Halloween party? Would it be a horror movie then? 
No, it wouldn't. It's an action movie that takes place during no, Christmas. I'm tired. Wrong. No, first of all, first of, of all, the screenwriter who wrote the movie says it's a Christmas movie. He has said it many, many times. Yeah, because he's so, trying to get his movie to be relevant after all these years. Even like uh, that movie is relevant. He does not need to try to get um, Die Hard to be relevant. It is the definition of relevant. That's not true. Definition. We're relevant. sitting here talking can, about it decades I can look later. Up, it's I can relevant. look up the definition of relevant. I guarantee you, it's not what you just said. Is it's not a Christmas movie. It takes it place a Christmas during Christmas movie. movie. Elf is a Christmas movie. Santa Claus, The Polar Express, um, Santa Claus Two. Those are Christmas also with all the Christmas movies. Yeah. That's, uh, That's a great list no, of Christmas movies. Those are Christmas movies. That goes movies. on the list with Die Hard. Yeah, no, it's a Christmas movie. Die Hard is a His wife's name movie. is Holly, for Christ's sake. Like, that's like the ultimate Christmas movie trope, to name one of the characters something stupid and Christmassy. Did you just say the name Holly is stupid? No, I said, <laughs> yes, as in this, not the name is stupid. I'm saying to name a character something Christmassy is a stupid trope that they do in Christmas movies. Let's see. That's let's what see. I'm saying. That's what Bruce, Bruce Willis says. Bruce yeah, Willis please. says it's not, but he's an actor. He didn't write the movie. <clears throat> well, here's the oh thing. My. I get so, to decide. 62% of Americans said it's not a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at the Hollywood Reporter poll that did. And the popular did. vote matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not going off the electoral. We're going off the popular vote <laughs> here. Yes, well, much like in the election. The winner is the winner of the electoral vote. So that means that the screenwriter gets more of a vote than the actors. That's, I'm pretty sure, in the rules. And, sure. I mean, screenwriters have intended their movies to be a lot of things. Doesn't mean they always turn out that way. There's been a lot of bad movies and a lot of movies that, you know, aren't depicted as intended. And I think Die Hard is that one. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's it is an, an action movie. movie. It is also a Christmas place movie. It Christmas. can be more than one thing. All right. All right, all right. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Bruce Willis said it's not a Christmas movie. He said it's a GD Bruce Willis movie. And this poll in the Hollywood <laughs> Reporter, again, majority people saying it's not a Christmas movie. It's a it's a freaking Bruce Willis movie that takes place during Christmas. You're just Mike, wrong. You're wrong. My hands are shaking right now. It's got disgusting. holiday parties, Santa hats, ho ho ho. This is not. This so is not Harry a natural. Half, half of the soundtrack is Christmas movies. The soundtrack is Let It Snow, Christmas and Hollis, Winter Wonderland, Jingle Bells, because Ode to Joy. All of those are taking in the place during because office Christmas, Christmas party. party because they couldn't yeah, turn the music off because the terrorists took it over. What is freaking Christmassy about that? When he falls off the building, is that Christmassy to you? So Christmassy. It's not Christmas for me until I see Hans fall off that building. Hans Grover, if he was alive today, would say, <laughs> if wow, he works, were still with us. That works. That works two ways. If he was, <laughs> he would tell us it's not a Christmas movie because he, he would failed. not say that. He failed. He would not say that. No, nope. there's Christmas lost. references all through that. <laughs> this is not a yeah, NAS podcast. Like, ho, it's ho, a GD ho. Nick now podcast. I have, wait. Do you remember the body like ho ho ho? Now I have a now I have a machine gun. Come on, what it's Christmassy? Um, it's all, first it's got all, ho, ho, first all. it's got Christmas hats. It's got Santa Claus. That's it's not, got a lesson about appreciating your family. It's a Christmas movie. That's not the tagline of the movie. We all know the tagline of the movie. Well, okay, this is a family podcast, not. so we're not going to say that tagline. <laughs> Point is, it's a Christmas movie. No, it's not. So anyway, just had to get that off my chest. How's your cat? 
Uh, well, he's actually sobbing right now because I have to tell him that people in this world think that Die Hard, an action <laughs> movie, is a Christmas movie. Ryan's well, he's going to have to learn week, to live with disappointment like the rest of us. So. I am going Ryan. to set my PlayStation 5 right now because you think it's a Christmas movie. Wow. Humble brag much? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really excited about that. Sorry, Nick. Um, oh, did Nick, did you not get one? I so I lucked out and I got it back in September at the first round of um, pre-orders. Don't know how it happened, um, and it finally came. And Nick and I, well, have been I've been trying to help Nick, been working to get it, but Walmart sucks and their website sucks, and they got taken over by bots. So everyone just needs to rob Walmart right now. Walmart, if you're listening to this, oh. I'm really joking. Wow. Fix your website. I'm, you know, I'm I'm in my phase of 2012 to 2018 right now, mm-hmm. where it's just failure after failure. Do a good regular season performance. You know, I get to the site on time. I I, I find a good mm-hmm. place in the queue. Um, you know, make the playoffs, but when push comes to shove, I, I fail, and that's happened a couple times in the past week. Um, and. It, I like how been, you brought it back into baseball. That was good. I like that. Yeah, that was you know, got. I do what I can. I'm not a complete and utter failure like Walmart's website makes me feel. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's been it's been rough sailing. You know, I've gotten my hopes up. I've had it literally to the screen where all I have to do is place order. I click place order and it refreshes to out of stock. It's happened twice, so you know, that's brutal. There was actually there was an article today about how bots took over Walmart's website and got like all of them. So I think we need to stage an uprising. We're gonna throw a coop against all of those bots <laughs> and take over. Is is that the saying? I don't think that's the saying. Um, a violent uprising and violent takeover. Isn't it a coup? Yeah. It's um, a coup, not it's a coup. A coup. I don't live in <laughs> France. I live in the U.S. of A. And it's a coup. Uh huh. <laughs> Like a the coup, Marine Corps. A coup <laughs> <d'etat>. <laughs> pronounced Colonel and it's the highest rank in the military. Colonel. Uh, pronounced Colonel. <laughs> so I have a major announcement. Uh, but Finn's oh. doing great. Thanks for asking. Glad to Ma- hear it. What's your announcement, Nick? Major announcement. So obviously, you know, I've mentioned on this podcast before that I am engaged to a lovely bride to be. You know, we, we've been talking. Stop, I'm right here. <laughs> we, we've been talking for the past couple of weeks and, and thinking about it. And, you know, after efforts, we are proud to announce that we have a new family member joining us. Um, actually, in fact, uh, it's already joined us. We adopted a hedgehog. Um, so, yeah, we have a new hedgehog. <laughs> hold on, hold is on. its name Sonic? No. Amanda. Her name, her Can- name is Maui. Maui's pretty cute. I had a friend in high school who had a hedgehog. They're adorable. Amanda definitely believed it for a yeah, second. I she, heard the gas. She gasped. I was going to say, <laughs> Amanda, can you tell excited. us your emotions? I don't know if you know this about me, but I like babies. <laughs> I One heard day. the gas and I broke it. One day, I know you couldn't do it. I knew you were lying as soon as I heard that reaction. I know. No, um, I, one day, one day, you're going to. You're going to tell me that you're, you guys are going to have a baby and I'm going to laugh and laugh. I'm going to be like, oh, what you're in for. You have no idea. Well, I, I really saw one. what I put on Twitter the other day. My husband sent me. It's just like yesterday or the day before sent me a text. I was at work and he just said, OMG, Addie is crying under a chair and then ran in her room and cried because she doesn't have any unicorn pants that aren't PJ pants to match her unicorn shirt. What the fuck? 
I'm sorry. I said a bad word. I didn't mean to say that. Damn it, Amanda. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry. We can edit that out. Sorry. Oh, I yeah. Said a bad we. Word. Yeah, we can edit that out. When I mean, when I say we, I mean the royal we, which means Nick, who does all the work after we, we finish recording. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, it was hysterical. And I was just like, oh, my God, what you're in for when she's older. You have no idea. Girls yeah. are girls are different she's our first girl our boys are our older boys are 20 and 16 but boys are a whole different thing yeah she, yeah. she wasn't a surprise at all no yeah she's totally <laughs> totally not i have I, my middle son always says he knows he's my favorite because he's the only one we had on purpose yeah, yeah you had to adopt two more children just to make your daughter feel like she was planned <laughs> exactly or to let her know that she wasn't but we didn't want her to be an only child <laughs> Speaking but, yeah. of, by the way, I do want to throw this out in case I forget on the next episode. It is National Adoption Month. And I know I don't talk so much about all that personal stuff, but adoption is a wonderful thing. Ours is supposed to be finalized by the end of probably this month, maybe the beginning of next month. We're waiting for the final paperwork to go meander. They let you adopt before, kids but. before it's finalized? Well, the kids are placed with you. It was like a 30 day trial period. It's Virginia. You can't file. That's a horrible thing to say. You're a bad person and you should feel bad. Did you do the monthly subscription or the yearly? So when you have kids placed with you, you can't file the final adoption paperwork until they've been in your physical custody for six months. So once they were, that was in October. So we filed all the paperwork and now we're just waiting for it to finish. God, it's been that long already. It was, we picked, we uh, brought them home in April. Jeez. So, I know, I know it's been. You mean March too? <laughs> yeah, well, cold March too, or hot, I don't know which one it was. I don't um, even know. But, Aren't they all just a continuation of March since we've been in this pandemic yeah. and nothing ever changes? Fun, fun fact about me, my mom, aunt, and uncle were all adopted, so I would not be here if it weren't for adoption, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Well, that's amazing. But anyways. And, uh, anyway, so that's my uh, my PSA is adoption is a wonderful thing. If you've ever thought about it, it's amazing. And you should you should think about it. There are many, many, many children in this country that are that in foster why. care and need families. And if that's in your heart and in your and in your power, then you should think about it. That is why I adopted a hedgehog. So now we will do weekly hedgehog updates as well. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So now we get fish are, are the fish forsaken now that you have a hedgehog or are there still going to be fish upsa- updates as well i mean there's nothing nothing to really update they don't do much so gulp, 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 yeah. Gulp, fish, yeah. fish. but they're alive I, I, you haven't killed them yet <laughs> no no they're they are alive so you know even your black market fish yeah they're, they're doing strong nice but i mean other than glancing at when i walk by to the laundry room not very exciting. So. Yeah, they're not very cuddly or you know, interactive <laughs> pets, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, neither is the hedgehog because she has to warm up. But, you know. Is she a baby? Someone... No, she's two years old. They live like three to eight years. You know what's really um, funny about hedgehogs? What's up? <laughs> Why do you um, have hedgehog trivia? Bonsai what? trees. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my sister's friends, or sorry, co-workers, went on vacation and was like, hey, can you watch this hedgehog for us? And my sister was like, okay, sure. My sister goes to feed it one morning and the hedgehog wasn't moving. Oh God. Um, The hedgehog died, right? Um, Apparently they get like really cold really easily. So the hedgehog like froze to death, right? Um, So my sister was like really upset. She's like, oh my God, I just killed these people's pet. So she like calls them, right? 
the mom and the dad were so relieved the hero is dead because they hated the thing so much. Oh my god, oh, what the hell? Geez. And so what That's they did? Terrible story. <laughs> so all they did was just they like okay, well they just went and bought a new one instead of telling their kid that uh, their beloved hedgehog was murdered by my sister. So that's my fun story about hedgehogs. I yeah, think that was fun really is a fun. <laughs> a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I had some friends when I was we have a in heat high school. And a, a thermometer. Oh, well, how do you? What kind of thermometer do you use for a hedgehog? Well, Dare well, I ask? <laughs> it's just like you know. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm asking. No, no, no. Uh, isn't that a? Th- Am I? Did I say the wrong room? No, it's just like it takes the temperature in the room, so we keep it at like 72, 73. Oh, okay. So it's it's a thermostat <laughs> or something. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Well, a ther- I think thermostat. I think like AC heat. This is like yeah. an actual thermometer that just tells you the temperature. Okay. Fair enough, but you're not you're not taking the temperature of the hedgehog, just of the room. No. I see. No. Okay. All right. But, well, I had some friends in high school who had a ferret that was an evil, awful creature, and they named him the furry tube of hate, and they were also happy when he died. So there you go. That's my horrible pet story. Jesus. They had him for like seven years because they were like, well, he's our Whoa. pet. We can't like we have to take care of him. And they did. They took fabulous care of him, but he was the most hateful animal. Like he would bite them if they tried to touch him and what is what is this podcast turning into? Is this a Padres tweet where it's like something good in the first half and then it completely takes a turn? We're yes, just about that dead is animals. Before dead we animals. talk about baseball, I have one more fun thing to talk about, which is I planted new stuff in my garden. How fun is that? I've decided it is November. <laughs> I know. Well, I planted it a couple of weeks ago at the end of October, but it was so nice out that I decided I'm going to try this thing where you plant your stuff for the early spring stuff, like peas can come up really early or onions and garlic. And I decided to plant them late in the fall when it was so late that they wouldn't germinate until the spring so that they'll come up super early, like in February, instead of me having to wait until March or April to plant everything. But it stayed too warm for too long and now it's all sprouting and it's probably all going to die. So we're back to death again. Sorry. Jeez, here I was so thinking anyway, I over my depression. Here you are thinking. So we'll see what happens. I think the onions and garlic will be fine because they can just chill through the winter. But the peas, I think, probably won't make it. and I'll have to replant them again. But that's my latest garden update. And I still have a whole bunch of tomatoes and peppers that are hanging on. I'm still picking peppers and tomatoes every day. Jeez. Crazy. I know. I don't send pictures anymore because, God, how many pictures of tomatoes and peppers does one need? But... <laughs> Every day, I'm still getting more. Yep. So there you go. Anyway, baseball? <laughs> baseball. Shall we? We haven't talked in two weeks. Sorry, everybody. We got to catch up. <laughs> we oh, missed each other. We got to catch up. <laughs> See, there's the most likely to sing on the podcast. All right, baseball. We can Ooh. review. Hit us. All right, so MLB concluded a historic week with a bunch of firsts. Starting off, the highest of glass ceilings was absolutely shattered this week as the Miami Marlins hired Kim Ang as her GM. Kim becomes the first Asian American in MLB, and she's also the first G. Sorry, excuse me, first Asian American MLB GM, and she is also the first GM in North American sports history. Kim has an unreal resume and is an Yet another step in the right direction for the Marlins. Well, job, Jeter. More history is made as both Rookie of the Year award winners, Lewis and Williams, were both African-Americans. This was the first time since the early 1980s since that happened. 
Freddie Freeman took home his first MVP, as well did Jose Abreu. Trevor Bauer won the first Cy Young in Reds history. Shane, ba- Shane Bieber won his first Cy Young as well. Mike Clevenger signed a two-year extension with the Padres, buying out his arbitration years, but he needs Tommy John surgery as well, and he will miss all of the 2021 season. Drew Smiley signs with the Braves for a whopping $11 million on a one-year deal. Sources are saying that Lindor is going to be traded from the Indians this offseason. We heard that last offseason as well, so take that with a grain of salt. The Cubs, however, said they're going to have extreme roster makeover this offseason, and they're open to trading all veterans, including Baez. Sources say that this is from them realizing that their window is not as strong as it was, and they would like to shed payroll with a whole lot of young guys about to hit free agency soon. The Mets sale was complete and Cohen did his first press conference and wowed everyone to hit all the right buttons. A player texted his agent saying, I'm sold. I want to sign there. It was believed to be Marcus Stroman as he took the qualifying offer a couple hours after. Some of the White Sox organization were worried that free agents would avoid the White Sox because of the hiring of uh, Tony LaRusa. As this weekend, it was announced he was arrested for a second DOI, and he told the cop, I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. Douche. <laughs> um, Stroman went on Twitter, said there wasn't enough money in the world to play for La Russa, one of the first public examples of a lot of their fears. The holiday shopping season is upon us. And as you look to shop, please remember that small businesses are hurting big time, as everything is probably going to be done online this holiday season. Please shop local and support your small businesses. Far too many local stores is closing as the federal government is saying we don't care. This week's small business shout out is Sandwich Republic in Springfield, Virginia. They're open for carryout and on Uber Eats. They're absolutely incredible sandwiches and they have incredible hospitality. I order from them every week. And as soon as the owner hears my voice, he knows my order and I don't have to say anything else. Remember, shop local, shop small. And we're going to give a shout out to a different small business every single week. This has been your Week in Review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Nice. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy week. There weren't a ton of signings. It's pretty slow, but it's definitely uh, <laughs> that LaRusa stuff is something. <laughs> yeah. So on that, you know, in that vein, I am officially changing my George Springer prediction to the Mets, taking Amanda's route. That you know, if you predict a bunch of free agents to the same team, one of them's bound to hit. So I'm taking George Springer to the Mets because yeah, I'm fully buying into this. Tony Larusa is going to, you know, hurt their chances to bring in talent via you know free agent signing. Um, and I don't see them being a huge player to make any splashy trades. So you know they're probably going to end up rolling for the most part with what they got. Uh, which is still very good, but you know, those big splashy free agent signings, I don't see them making. Yeah. What are, are you buying into all this Steve Cohen magic stuff? I mean, I, I think he'll make a move, maybe a couple like B moves. Uh, I mean, Strowman, that wasn't really a move they made. That was just Strowman realizing, Hey, you know, I probably wouldn't get as much money as I probably could have because I'm coming off injury anyways. And, you know, the CBA is about to hit next year. This is only a one-year deal. It's $19 million. 
that's not bad at all. So, you know, but regardless, you have to add that or put that in the addition column for the Mets because they sorely needed pitching. So now instead of having to focus on maybe Trevor Bauer, they can turn their attention to a JT Real Muto or George Springer, which I do think they get one of the two. I heard today that they were or saw on Twitter that they were going uh, or interested in uh, Marcelo Zuna, who's just as intriguing almost as Springer just because he doesn't come with a uh, qualifying offer attached. So, you know, you might see Macy teams turn to Ozuna rather than go hard after Springer just because they don't have to give up additional, you know, compensation more than just financial. So, um, but long story, yeah, I I do think the Mets make some moves, but at the end of the day, the Mets are still going to be the Mets. So I'm not going to, you know, predict the world from them. Yeah, like he did the like textbook picture perfect PR responses to every single question for a new press conference. He said he's a businessman. Exactly. He knows exactly what to say. Like he knows exactly how to swindle people to get people on his side. Like I do think he is going to be better than the Wilpons. Anyone can be Mm -hmm. except for Dan Snyder. He will be better than that. But like, we heard the Phillies say they're going to spend stupid money. We hear all these teams come out and say they're going to be super aggressive and it never really works out. Also, teams historically spend a lot of money in the offseason, crash and burn. Shout out the Eagles super team way back when. Um, oh, wow. It What's doesn't. The the, um, sorry, the Eagles super team, excuse me. Um, shout out to that. It doesn't work. And also, like everything he said, he was like, yeah, we're going to go out and do all this. A couple questions later, he would kind of walk it back and contradict himself. So, like, I think he's going to be better than the Wilpons, but everyone acting like they're going to be the greatest team in the history of the world. No. Yeah, I heard them saying, who was it? Was it um, their, was it the GM who came out and said, oh, money's no object now, basically. And if we can get it, we want a guy, we can just go oh, get him and not worry who about was money. That? And well, who's their GM? I forget who they just rehired. Oh, Bro- Brody. Oh, no, Sandy Alderson. No, no, no. Is- Alderson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he came out basically and said like, oh, he gave an interview on, I think it was on MLB Network Radio a few days ago. He's not wrong. Money is no object, but, you know, Steve Cohen is a businessman. He's not in the business of overpaying. But I'll bet in these first couple of years, he might be in the business of just engendering goodwill on the fan base. by. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying, you know, running a business. I, I don't I'm not too familiar with Steve Cohen's background, but running a business and running, you know, a um, major league team and making that team successful it, are two different things. And I'm not saying, you know, he can only be good at one and not the other, but uh, there's going to be a little bit of a curve. And again, the Mets are the Mets. Those bones, the brittle bones that cause them to fail gloriously every single year are still there. Even more so, they're bringing back the GM that was a, a huge part of that constant failure. So, yeah. so, you know, it was an Mets odd decision. Mets. Also, Mets fans are really excited. They think he's going to spend all this money. They're looking at Marcelo Zuna, who's going to cost less than $100 million, and not looking at the best free agent outfielder, who's going to cost well over $100 million. So I also think that's kind of showing how, like, maybe you guys should, you know, kind of come down to reality with your expectations. Just saying. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, I do think they make one big move. I think it's probably JT Real Muto, just because, one, you know, they're going to have to rely on 
um, like young starting pitching. So JT Romuto will help in that regard. And two, they're kind of driving the knife into a division rival by kind of taking him away from the Phillies. Yeah, that's true. It does make me happy when the Phillies are sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of GMs and stuff, Kim Ang. Awesome. But does this, you know, do you think the Marlins are actually players now? You think the, the year of making the playoffs has kind of lit a fire under them and they're going to try? Why to not? Why not? Jeter said that they weren't going to speed up their rebuild. They were realistic with where they were and what their process is. So I think now they're starting to get the right front office pieces into place. Um, they hired Kim Ang, who has over 30 years of experience. She's won three World Series. She knows what she's doing. So having her up there is a great move. So that kind of signals to them that they know they're a couple years away from being legit contenders. And this is them getting ready for it. Because now yeah, you got the good expect her to build the team that you're going to be able to compete with. Exactly. You have the good GM in place who's going to start getting the right pieces and build everything up slowly. All you just need is to wait for that time to happen. So I think it's an absolutely fantastic move um, for a lot of reasons. So yeah, I, I think it's a great move in the right direction for the Marlins and kind of shows how like where this entire division is trending, right? The Braves are the Braves. They're going to be a problem for a very long time because everyone on their team is 23 years old. Um, the Mets, new owners, big market. We'll wait to see how Cohen goes. The Marlins just made the playoffs. They have a great farm system, um, and they're starting to make some really good moves. The Phillies, big spenders, but they're the Phillies, and they suck. Um, they have a lot of issues as well. So it's kind of like we're – And couple- then there's the Nats. <laughs> exactly. We're a couple years away from where it's the Nats and the Phillies battling for last place while the Braves win the division every year, and the Marlins and the Mets are battling for second place in that wild card spot. Like it's that future of the division is really starting to come clear for how the power is going to be shifted in the next like two or three years or so. Yeah, unless the Nats are willing to do like a more significant retool or rebuild or whatever the hell you want to call it at some point in the next, you know, after the next year or two, but no indication that they're going to be willing to do that. So it's, uh, it's coming a lot of older players, a lot of money on the books, a lot of, um, things that are going to look like albatrosses i think in the not too distant future that's kind of a depressing conversation but But anyway very cool story about kim yeah i was gonna say if you if you didn't if you needed more of a reason to to root for the marlins here you go absolutely making history that's great stuff yeah it definitely is very very cool um, so we talked about marcus stroman taking the qualifying offer who was i know there was another who was there yeah. But that one was to be expected. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's interesting to me because as I'm watching this and just kind of getting a gauge of what the extremely slow so far um, free agent market looks like is, you know, between the uncertainty of will there be fans, will there not be fans, what kind of what kind of um, revenue are the owners expecting and just the, the financial uncertainty of next year, plus the fact that it's the last year before they need a new CBA. It just seems like we're going to see a lot of one-year deals a lot of guys just signing something safe instead of finding themselves jobless come February yeah. March yeah I was thinking the same thing earlier um that and we brought this up in the interview with Matt you know just with the current situation the you know not only the pandemic but the situation with the CBA 
expiring after this season and things going to look a lot different, you know, when the new CBA is reached. Um, I, I think you see a lot of players make these business decisions like Marcus Stroman did. Um, and, you know, we saw Yasmani Grandal do it. We've seen um, Josh Donaldson do it. Marcelo Zuna just did it. And he's about to cash in. Um, you know, th- those top guys like Springer, Real Muto, they're probably good as far as, you know, signing long-term deal. DJ Mayhew, I would assume, too. But the other guys, Trevor Bauer has come out and said he's only signing one-year deals for the rest of his life. Um, which, you know, his agent walked that back to help his yeah, market. I was, I was, yeah. I was going to say, take, take that for whatever you will. He's definitely, if the Dodgers offered him seven years, he's going to take that. But, you know, I just don't think that people are going to be as opposed to one year deals as they normally would be because they still get a, um, to hit free agency next year when teams have a better understanding of where they're at financially and, and all this stuff. So, you know, maybe that kind of opens the door for the Nats. And for some guys that they might not normally be in contention for, but yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see. You kind of know a lot of players, they want opt-outs in their contracts because one, if you suck, you stay in and your contracts backloaded, but also a lot of guys want to hit free agency twice. They know they can get their contract once. They have a couple of really good years or even one great year and they hit free agency again, they're going to get paid and it's going to be more than once before. Um, with the qualifying offers, Strowman nor Gosman was going to get close to $19 million. So it was kind of a no-brainer. They're like, oh, heck yeah, I can go make $19 million, have one good year, and I can get paid again like I just kind of was hinting at. Um, I think another thing about that is, though, I'm kind of shocked that the owners haven't tried to figure a way to cap what the max qualifying offer would be. Because last couple of years, all the owners want to do is cut payroll, but the top free agency league guys keep getting paid so much that the qualifying offer amount goes up and up and up and it keeps going up. So I'm kind of shocked that the owners aren't trying to find a way to cap that because they want to cut payroll. And like, if that that thing gets over $20 million, you're going to see a lot more guys taking the qualifying offer. They get one year, like $21 million deal. Cause it's already what, like 19.2 million this year. So like, I'm kind of shocked the owners aren't trying to cap that because I think the future has a lot more guys banking in on that qualifying. I wonder offer. if that's something they'd try to adjust in the, the new CBA. I would be shocked if they didn't try to bring that up. Yeah. Already, they're already trying to negotiate with um, the PA ahead of the CBA. Cause you know, it's going to suck. They brought up the, um, they're like, Oh, you guys want universal DH. We'll only do it if you want to expand the playoffs next year. And I was like, you slap bastards. <laughs> Just tell yeah. them no. Just say no. Actually, it's more than likely to be accepted both sides because the players want the DH. It just makes sense. And, like, however you feel about it, it like it just makes sense. Any argument you have against the DH is just personal opinion, but the DH makes sense for a ton of reasons. And we don't have to get into that. We, yeah, we've done I'm sure time. anyone who listens to this podcast is sick to damn death of listening to us argue about the DH. Yeah. So we'll skip over the argument. But And, you know, yeah. for, to tie it back into the Nets, the DH helps the Nats a lot. So, you know, if you're Nats fans, put your feelings aside, channel them into the Nats and wanting the best for them and trying to make the most out of the, however long this window lasts. Nope. To hell with that. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. What are we doing next? Uh, free agent drafts. Nick, explain it. 
Yep. So we've done this before. We did this last season. Um, very explanatory, straightforward, self-explanatory, straightforward. Um, you know, we have a bunch of free agents left uh, available. So what we're going to do is Amanda, Ryan, and myself, we're just going to treat it draft style. So snake draft, one, two, three, three, two, one, back and forth, four picks. And we're just going to draft the free agents. So, you know, if Ryan gets first pick, I assume he's going to take, uh, you know, Marcus Semyon and, uh, you know, <laughs> Marcus Semyon's off the board. And then Amanda gets second pick. She's going to take Ryan Zimmerman um, and Ryan Zimmerman's off the board. And then I get two this picks because Ash. I would be picking third. I take George Springer and Dijla Mayhew because I know what's best for this team and so on and so forth. So four rounds total. And, you know, once we're done with the draft, we'll throw it up on Twitter, see who wins. Uh, spoiler alert, it won't be Amanda. Amanda has not won a poll in her entire career with a You're hat-free jinxing it. Beat. Yeah. Wait, hold on. No, question. I'm, I'm that confident. What's up? Am I doing this realistically off the Nats or just how I want to? Yeah, that's what I was re- about to ask. Yeah, if this is realistic, I'm going to name every single 35-year-old free agent there is as who they signed. Realistic in terms of, one, meeting a need, and two – uh, you know, taking account their payroll. Like if you get George Springer, you're probably not going to get, you know, Trevor Bauer. We're not just going to try to take the best four we could pick. No, I thought no. that's what we did last time. Didn't we do that last we, time? We did. And take- it was fun, but it, you know, it didn't really work out all that well. So we're, you know, a semblance of realism, but also, you know, have fun, do some wishful thinking. Okay. Sound good. All right. All right. Let me uh randomize all right i'll just do one through three because i can't find the the name one okay so amanda will be one i'll be two ryan will be three it is three so ryan gets first pick and it's one amanda gets second pick wow i nailed it so so it's ryan amanda and then me okay all right all right, Ryan, you can kick us off. All right, I'm thinking between a couple of people. And the being found to go the best free agent available. Um, or spread the, out your money a little bit. I feel you. Yeah, because I know who I want to get in the second round. I'm trying to think of who I want first. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go someone else because if I get the guy I was going to go, then the second move doesn't really make too much sense. Um, so I'm going to go the one who I think is the most obvious for the Nats, and that's Marcel Ozuna. Um, I was going to go DJ LeMayu, but I think Ozuna makes a lot of sense. You can throw him in left field, and if there's a DH next year, there you go. You have your DH to hit fourth behind Juan Soto. So I have them signing him for four years with $17 million AAV. All right. Makes sense. Um, no qualifying offers. I'm gonna go Lemayhew. Damn it! I, sorry. That's see, you get to pick last. That's what happens. Um, I mean, he's just one of the best options on the board, and I think he makes a ton of sense for the Nats, and which means they probably won't get him. <laughs> but if I were in charge, he would be my number one target. I think they need they need an infielder, and he's a great he's a great option. I mean, he speaks for himself. His numbers are unbelievable this year and he's 32 so he's old enough to appeal to to mike rizzo he only likes he only likes people over 30 so i think he makes a ton of sense he'd be my first pick yeah 
Um, you know, th that leaves me in a tough spot because I still have arguably the two best free agents available. I mean, three if you want to include Trevor Bauer, but I don't have the Nets as realistic players for Trevor Bauer. Um, so because LeMahieu was my guy, but Ozuna obviously probably makes the most sense for the Nets, um, I'm going to go a little bit in a different direction than, you know, what Nets fans want and even myself. Uh, what I want, I'm going to go JT Real Muto because, and here's my reasoning, right now, the Nat, Jan Gomes is fine, he's serviceable, but he's not exactly providing you much in, in any capacity at catcher. So JT Real Muto fills a need there, but also in that latter part of the contract, because it is going to take a big contract to land JT Real Muto, you can shift him to first base, and he, he's an adequate first baseman, and he still has a good bat. So if the Nats had a young you know, cornerstone first baseman, you know, like Matt Olson with the A's or someone more established like Anthony Rizzo or even Freddie Freeman or anyone like that. Obviously, JT Romuto is kind of a less of a fit, but because we need a first baseman anyways, you can slide JT Romuto over there. So I think he makes a lot of sense in that regard. Um, and, you know, he'll probably end up being a little bit cheaper than George Springer. Um, as well so that's my first one and then my second one obviously you just invest a, a ton of money into jt romuto so you got to scale back a little bit so i'm gonna go to the bullpen um and try to nail down the best le lefty reliever available because we don't have a single lefty reliever in our bullpen right now yeah. at least not one that's established so i'm getting brad hand hond whatever you want to say i like saying um <laughs> uh probably two years 18 million, something like that. So, I mean, you've invested a lot of your free agent capital into two people, but, you know, they're two very good people. So that's what I'm doing. Okay. I can't believe none of us took Springer to this point. I almost feel like obligated <laughs> that he's still on the board. That's true. Although, yeah, I think I got it. I was going to go McCann because I don't think they're going to get real Mijo. Hmm. I think I got to go Springer if he's still sitting there. I mean, I know this is supposed to be realistic and that's, that's an expensive acquisition, but I, mean... I just can't leave him sitting <laughs> on the board. Yeah. This so, is true. yeah. Okay. I guess George Springer it is. And um, I know you were, Nick, you were all about bringing George Springer to the Nats. What's changed your, uh, your thinking on it? Oh, I would still absolutely be open to it. It's just, I think, you know, outfielders can regress so quickly uh, and Springer's bat will play, but you know, without the DH right now, it's kind of, you just have to operate under the assumption that there won't be a DH because there won't be for, for 2021 and Springer's still a little bit away from needing like permanent DH status, but I don't know, want a long-term deal for him or anything. Yeah. And cause he's already 30 and again, he'll probably 31. be worth Yeah. He, yeah. So He'll probably be worth any deal he wants, but I just think, you know, the positional flexibility of JT Real Muto and the fact that we have an opening at first and, you know, you, you nail down the best catcher, like not just yeah. on the market in baseball. And that's something rare. Like George Springer's, you know, the best bat available, but he's not the best outfielder in baseball. JT Real Muto is the best catcher, but either one I'd be completely fine with. It's just my line of thinking for this draft. Yeah, well, that makes sense. So I think I'm going to go. Oh, it's like an infielder and an outfielder. So I think that's my pick 
What you got, Ryan? You got to go cheap, cheap the next two picks. <laughs> I know. I know. I got to put on my, I got to, I got to put on my learner, my learner hat. Get a little Ryan Zimmerman, one year, one mil. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I'm going the best fallback option at catcher since Rumuto is gone. I am going McCann, um, two year, 6 million AAV. He's extremely underrated. He had a very good year offensively this year. Um, you can't take the 60 games as a small sample size because that was a full season. So it was a huge sample size. When we look at it that way. Um, I think he's very solid. He's also 31 years old. So he's probably the youngest player in the nationals right now. Uh, <laughs> so I would take him to two years, six million, six million AAV. Um, and then my next pick, I am going probably the most underrated free agent on the market this year. Um, since I spent a little big on the Zuna, I am going to find, I guess, 18 million. I mean, I got more money than Amanda, so that's doing well. Um, I am going the biggest free agent. He is going to be game-changing forever signs him, and it's Jonathan Scope. Um, since 2016, He's third, that stat too. <laughs> third among second basemen in home runs. Um, he also had a higher OPS plus last year than DJ LeMayu. He's only 29 years old. He's going to be my second baseman. He's also going to bat fifth. So I'm going to have a, ooh, my lineup. Oh my goodness. Sorry. Let me, let me just pat myself on the back. Um, Soto, Azuna, uh, Jonathan Scope, McCann. Woof, woof. Gorgeous. My God, I'm unreal. So that is fun. That is fun. I like that. Um, a two-year deal with a $7 million AAB. So that's who I'm taking to play second base. And you let young Luis Garcia get a little more tune-up in the minors because he only had like a 600 OPS when he was up. So let him work on that bat a little bit more. All right. Okay, so I feel like I need a pitcher. <sighs> um, who's our lefty relievers who are available? Good luck. <laughs> I feel like we need a lefty reliever and the only one I was thinking of is off the board. Um, who's an old reliever who would be cheap? Jake McGee. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> is he on your list? <laughs> no, he, he's honestly probably the, the next best reliever and he's not, I you think know. so. I think he's like next. He's I, I would have. Yeah, I think so. I think he's a good option. I mean, He's been up and down and, and not super reliable, but I feel like old unreliable relievers is like right in the Nats wheelhouse. So he's 34. Yep. This coming year, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking. I'm just looking him up because I don't know him so well. But okay, he'll be my third pick because I feel like I need to get some I need to get a pitcher. So I've got infield outfield and a and a lefty reliever. Jake McGee. Yep. Okay, so for my last two picks, I've addressed, uh, you know, not only a bat in the lineup, but catcher and, you know, first base to an extent, uh, but also addressed late inning bullpen uh, help because, one, you probably should expect some regression from Hudson. You lost Doolittle, and Will Harris was not, at least in year one, uh, what you expected him to be. So Brad Hand helps in that regard, too. And also to clarify, MLB trade rumors has him at two years, 14 million. I had him at two years, 18 million. So I'm going to go with the cheaper option. So right now I've committed $32 million to two free agents. So got to go a little bit cheaper for this or for these next two, but I obviously still want my guy. Um, and that is Tommy Lestella. 
just because he is versatile. He plays first, second, and third. He's a lefty bat with some pop. He was an all-star in 2019 before his injury. Um, so I think there's a lot of upside there. You can get him, you know, for semi-cheap, cheaper than the cash or contract, two years, $14 million, and he fills multiple needs, which that's like uh, some positional flexibility. So that's uh, my second addition to the lineup. And for my last pick, they need a pitcher, um, specifically a number four starter couple of options um i think taiwan walker is probably you know the favorite right now but i'm going to align my free agent choice to my line of thinking of someone with experience and upside still but also should the nats not be able to perform to the level that they want someone that is still valuable in trade and you know a couple of options Charlie Morton is one I'm still considering, but I'm going to go with Corey Kluber. Oh, he was my last one. Damn it. He He's, you know, he is older and coming off injury. But again, for these four starters, you're going to get someone that either A, did not perform well or B, can't, is coming off an injury. Like that's just what a four starter is in free agency. You don't really, you know, go out and get a four starter who's like solid. If they're that solid, they're not a four starter. Um, so I'm getting Corey Kluber because he has experience, Cy Young pedigree, multiple Cy Young pedigree. Um, hope you're banking on a bounce back. And if he, you know, if we don't perform, he's still going to be valuable in a trade. So that's how I'm rounding out my free agency. Okay. Well, now I got to, because I was thinking the same thing. We need that like bottom of the rotation kind of guy. And that is, you know, you said there are a few options out there. I'm just thinking the Nats are going to want to stay cheap on that. They've got so much money tied up already in their rotation that I don't think they're going to want to spend there, especially since they've got so many other needs that if they make any splashes, I think it's going to be non-pitcher division. Um, I think I'm going to go Adam Wainwright. Cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I guess He's you do have to go cheap. Maybe got yeah, you got to go cheap if it, I I think you could get him on a you know obviously be a one year deal, um, cheap deal, and if it doesn't work out, you know you haven't really invested that much. But he still I think it's I read somewhere he he led led the Cardinals in a whole bunch of stuff like um, a bunch of his stats were really good this past year even though he was thirty eight he's thirty nine now uh, I think he was that that's very you know great job selling that a bunch of his stats yeah, are I'm really good I'm trying to remember I was reading it earlier because he sources, wasn't my choice dude, trust I had, me. <laughs> sources yeah no I'm trying to remember it was I know he let him in wins and like innings pitched there was something else I'm trying to remember because I don't have it in front of me anyway yeah because wins are a good pitcher maybe. stat well I know they're not the they're not the best pitcher stat but they're not nothing either um, but strikeouts as well he's got a great curveball. And I do love a good curveball. So I would go with Wayne. The Nats um, do love I can't old have, guys past their prime. They do. That's what I'm saying. We're supposed to be keeping this somewhat realistic. And he's going to be an inexpensive option. And if he works out great and if he doesn't, then he doesn't. Um, but I don't think there's – they're not going to invest a ton in him. It's not going to be a, a contract that everybody cries about, like $9 million to Trevor Rosenthal or something. Yeah. So that will be my fourth pick. So <laughs> i got a starting pitcher, a reliever – and uh, an outfielder and infielder, I think. All right, Ryan, send us home. Yeah, so the biggest need for the Nationals this offseason was the lineup. 
They needed to get boost everywhere throughout the lineup and they needed to protect Soto. I did that with Ozuna. I fixed the black hole that was a catcher with McCann. I also got a very underrated and great second baseman in Jonathan Scope. That also allows a nice transition period for your young guy, Luis Garcia, to get a little bit more consistent and develop more in the minors. Um, For the fourth guy, I was thinking of going starting pitching, but I decided against it. Um, Your big three should be back. Let Ross and Fetty hold it down in the four and five, and you can just set the trade deadline. Also, you're in the transition period, whether you like it or not. Giving your young pitchers consistent pitching is the only way they'll get better. So I think that benefits them in the long run. So I am going to dress the bullpen. I do not like any of the left-handed relievers left, so I'm going to go right-handed. And I thought about maybe I'll go realistic and get someone dirt cheap, someone like Tommy Hunter, Shane Green, or Jeremy Jeffries, who are not going to command a lot of money. Instead, I'm going big because Nats bullpen needs a great consistent back end of the arm. I'm sorry, back in the bullpen that they know is going to be lights out. Um, He has back-to-back years with the ERA under two. In 2019, he threw 85 innings out of the bullpen with a 1.8 ERA. That's absolutely ridiculous. And that is Liam Hendricks. I am signing the best reliever on the market. He is going to cost a little bit of money, but that's okay. It's not my money. I also don't know their situation, so it's not my problem. So he's going to get a three-year, $36 million offer. He's going to get a nice $12 million a year. So I sign Liam Hendricks, the best reliever on the market, to help hone down my bullpen. Yeah, so That's you a whole 12, lot of good stuff. <laughs> 12 to Hendricks. What? Uh, hold on. I can do math here. Scope. What's it to Ozuna? It was 18 to Ozuna, 18, six so to 30. McCann, seven. Oh, yeah, you're, you're fine. Yeah. That's you how you do scope, it. Scope is, you know, you can probably get him for $2 million. And McCann, eh, I think you on, you had $6 million. He, MLB Trade Rumors has him at 10 so I think it's probably around 8 But even I was so, going off of fan graphs, and that's what they oh, okay. based off his war. Yeah. Gotcha. So all these but, contracts are based off of war. True. That is yeah. a good point. Um, but even still, whether it's six or ten, you're you're still good. Um, I have God twenty five to Real Muto, um, seven to Hand, so that's thirty two. Seven to Listella, which is thirty nine, and then um, I pulled up Kula's contract. It's probably like eight. So what's that? You know, forty five. So I should be good. And then Amanda, what do you have? You have LeMahieu and Springer. Yeah, uh, that's a lot. I'm trying to look up what MLB Trade Rumors is predicting for them. 15, so think... Fangraphs has LeMahieu at 14. They have okay. Springer at 22. Oof, ouch. And then. So that's 36. And then Wainwright. What do you think is real? Oh, Wainwright. They have and, 7 million uh, for him. Okay, so. 39 and then McGee is they have five five yeah okay 48 so that's not that bad yeah we're all within the realm of possibility knowing the Nats are probably going to stick around like 19 <laughs> <laughs> I know we say we're in the realm of possibility we're dreaming yeah I know <laughs> all this had like I mean mine's by far the best let's be honest but Amanda went out and signed the top two free agents it, which are by the way position players so uh maybe we should hire Amanda as GM <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. I could uh, 
I could definitely have fun with it. It would be fun for like a year or two. And then I'd be like, this sucks. Those guys suck. This is well, this isn't fun Amanda anymore. would be the <laughs> second Big female GM. Big contracts. Amanda know, would be right? the second female GM in baseball. And that's the highest place she's ever finished in a half street high heat poll. So it's fitting. <laughs> that's true. Amanda's that makes perfect sense. All of her kids to vote and they're gonna, she's going to blow us out of the water. That's true. I got a lot of kids. Y'all don't know what you're what you're up against. And so, so a couple of them aren't big enough to really be able to vote. Adoption yet. well. Yeah. Sorry. Wait, Nick. What was yours? Um, Real Muto, Brad Hand, um, uh, uh, Tommy Lastella, and uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Corey Kluber. Jesus. There we go. What did your numbers come to? It was like 42. Yours was no. like 46. 48. And I think mine was 48. 48 and then Ryan's was you know, around 40. So we're all higher than there's any chance they're going to spend. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Point being. Cool. Cool. I think if you took around, took out all of our first round picks, we're probably, that's probably more realistic for what the Nets spent. <laughs> That would still get a Springer because that was my second round pick. Yeah, I mean, I would I would take Kendrick <laughs> Scope and McCann. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That but would again, be well. In, in how much money would you guys put down that the Nats don't sign any of the sixteen guys we just picked? Oh, um, I, bet I bet my sign, entire life on it. I bet they sign one to two of the guys we just named. I bet. I would bet that it's more likely that none of these 16 guys get drafted than anyone in the first two rounds gets drafted or like, you know, get signed. Oh, easily. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely going to be one of those. This is the best time of the year because this is when you can dream and it's fun. And then, you know, reality then the season in starts and, and you know all hope is lost like, exactly then the season starts and you're like oh they signed a bunch of 36 year olds i've never heard of again cool <laughs> yeah well we'll see maybe they'll surprise us yeah. i have to think they're aware of the fact that you know with i hate the phraseology the window is closing because it's so cliche and so overplayed but it really is it's, it's the feeling i get with the nats that you know you've got a little bit of scherzer left like you know, Strauss isn't getting any younger. If you don't do something, you're you're not you're going to lose whatever chance you have to win another title. And I will, I will feed off of that title we already won for a long time. That's a whole lot of happy that I'm going to feel forever. But mm-hmm. if they want another one, they don't have a ton of time to screw around. You just let this year completely slip away from you and wasted the opportunity to retool at the trade deadline. Like you've got to do something in this off season if you hope to compete this year. That that short yeah. season showed you that this lineup is not competitive. Yeah, flags fly forever, and you know we'll ride this high as long as we absolutely can. But you know it's much easier to swallow the fact that we didn't tear everything down or even retool. You know, sell off some some valuable pieces um, when you know you reinvest go all in and try to get a second world series title in this window uh and that's something we didn't mention it earlier but the athletic posted an article um you know it's talking about what a, a nolan arenado trade may look like and i get it you know that's still there's a lot of obstacles to overcome for that deal to ever happen but you know that's a move that would correspond with the Nats line of thinking that we're still contenders. It's been, you know, eight years and counting of successful baseball. 
and we haven't this retooled your count? or rebuilt. I don't feel like this past year counts as successful. Well, I'm just going to say it counts in terms of they still have a good team on paper. Um, so, yeah, that's you know, I want them to do something. Being stuck in limbo turns you into the Phillies. Like, let's just that's be true. Real. Or even the Mets. Uh, I mean, I won't even Nobody the wants Mets, to be the Phillies. Yeah. Don't the Phillies are, the have Mets. been stuck in limbo since 2009 because they, you know, haven't fully torn it down. No, but I have to say watching them get so excited when they signed Harper and then have the last couple of years happen has just been delightful. Well, that, I mean, that's going to be us if we're not careful. I understand. I completely agree with you. I'm just saying <laughs> right now it's not us and watching it be them is delightful. Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. But... <laughs> Fair. Uh, I'm hoping they do something. I, I am too. I just, I hope that, and I hate to see Scherzer's last year's like squandered in mediocrity. You know, we, we don't have a lot left. I, I will, for the, for as long as I live, getting to watch Scherzer in his prime, do his thing every fifth day is something I will cherish, but I don't want to see them waste the end of it. And after this past year, who even knows if this next year Scherzer's going to be himself again. Or, you know, maybe it's already over and we just don't know it yet. Who the hell knows? But if there's anything left in the tank for that guy, I think we've got to take the opportunity to make the most of it because guys like that don't come along very often. Yep. Yep. Okay. So speaking of guys um, on the Nats that don't come along very often, we've lost potentially a couple. Um, Monty has done some great um, blogs. If you guys haven't read them yet, um, they were tweeted out. Was it from your account? Nickers no, it's from, from the, the Half Street High Heat account. Main account, yeah. Okay, from the Half Street High Heat account. So he's been writing some blog posts about the guys who have left or who potentially won't be back. Um, the part two of that was posted today, and it's terrific. Um, it talks about Kurt Suzuki. Let me look through Esdrubal Cabrera, Sean Doolittle, and Sean Doolittle. Yep. Crying emoji. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to check those out, those are. Those are a lot of fun. Um, there's also a great blog he put out. Let me find that one. It was just last week. It was part yeah, one. Yeah, it was last week. I'm trying yeah. to find there was another one he had that was about the free agents that we talked about on the last episode two weeks ago. Oh, maybe that was last so, week. Yeah. Yeah. So the ones where, uh, where we're keeping track of who's, who's right and who's wrong about where everybody winds up. I think so far we're all one for two. Yep, we nailed Kevin Gosman and we all got Marcus Stroman wrong. Yeah, how come none of us picked him going to the Mets? Because <laughs> it just seemed like he it, like it just seemed like he hated the Mets. He which, opted you know, out. Hard, That's what got me. Hard, yeah, hard to blame. Yeah. Well, there you go. So oh, go check those out. You can find the links at the uh, main Half Street High Heat account. And um, we had one great question come in on Twitter earlier that we liked, which was thoughts on having, this is from at Ryan J Morris 81, who said thoughts on having Rochester as a triple a team. In my opinion, that's the most likely option for the Nats. So their goal is to get on the East coast. And this is actually going to be a really funny, interest, funny situation to watch because major league baseball told the Nats, they were going to help them get back on the East coast. And the Nats are like, Hey, we want Richmond. Well, the Giants have had Richmond for a long time, and the league they play in... It's like 2001, I think. Yeah, and so like the league they play in, there's no teams west of Richmond. I'm sorry, west of Texas. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's no teams west of Texas. And MLB also is telling teams to keep their relationships with their minor 
cities because all the changes and cuts that are be happening. Major League Baseball doesn't want to lose their relationships. So now, which one do they ruin? Do they ruin the fact that they said they're going to help the Nats or they ruin the, their long-standing relationships with the team? So the answer is probably not the Nats. So that leaves Rochester. Um, that is in New York. It's not as close as Richmond, but they were just in Syracuse. And it's a hell of a lot easier to get to and back um, then better than Fresno <laughs> freaking Fresno. Yeah. Um, there's trains, there's flights. There's a lot more ways to get back than all the way over there. So Rochester be a million times better. Obviously Richmond is the dream not going to happen. So Rochester would be great. Yeah. Yep. All the ones within, you know, the mid Atlantic area, pretty much locked down. Yeah, you know, with the Orioles having one in Maryland and one in Norfolk, uh, you know, even the White Sox have one in like North Carolina and, and all this stuff. But this whole area where you kind of look at the Nats, be like, oh, hey, here's a would be a good option. Teams love those spots um, for multiple reasons, you know, the, the relationships and, you know, the leagues they play in, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, so Rochester is probably the best the Nats are going to get. And Again, better than Fresno, and you have some sort of you can go forward with the the notion or the you know plan that Rochester is your spot, and you can plan accordingly. So, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. I don't see any better options on the table. So, I mean, it is what it is. Richmond would be awesome, but since that's likely not in the cards, I think it makes a ton of sense to just use Rochester. And you know, you can you can drive for what is it six seven hours tops, even if you just got in your car and went. Mm-hmm. So it's not that big of a deal. Fresno's like a red eye and you have to have a layover in, I don't know, Dallas, Fort Worth or something. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's not only the best option they've got, but very likely to be the one they go with. And before we move completely on, I did look up Wainwright and it was wins, innings and strikeouts. I was right that he was leading the team in this past year. So I think that is everything we've got on our list, except our one big thing. What do you guys got this week? Um, so the Hall of Fame ballot came out today, and you know, we'll we'll save this for a future pod, maybe when the induction, uh, or like when we find out who who will be inducted and whatnot. Uh, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they're Hall of Famers, but you know, I a lot of people are saying this is a down year. Um, I don't see it that way. I just view it as, you know, less obvious guys get have to get your votes because you only get a max of 10, which is the dumbest rule ever. And even still some, you know, old white guys still won't use all 10 votes, even though they should. Um, but my list for who I personally w- would vote for, and you guys, I encourage you guys to look it up. So that way you can see um, who's on, on the ballot. But Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Bobby Abreu, Torrey Hunter, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, Kurt Schilling, Omar Vizquel, Billy Wagner, and Scott Rowland. Yes, all of them. I think they're all Hall of Famers. Um, and plus, you've already established a precedent that, you know, some guys who might be in the Hall of Very Good are already in. So that opens the door for more of these guys to get in. I think they all are deserving. And one additional thing for guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and uh, Kurt Schilling, who you want to invoke the character clause on, you already have no noted rapist, pedophiles, you know, questionable characters in the Hall of Fame as is. So, you know, whatever you feel about Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling, it's not as bad who's already as who 
There's also people in the hall who took the same uh, substance that they did. Yeah, that too. Great point. So, you know, however you feel, there's already people worse in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, why punish these guys for something someone else did? Oh, yeah. I don't like that argument very much because I think even if you, even if, even if that's true, which obviously it is, there's lots of shady characters and undesirable. Including Tony LaRusso, who's a noted racist. Yeah. So I'm not arguing any of that. I'm just saying the fact that there are already guys in there doesn't mean that they have to keep voting guys with bad character in there forever. I mean, Barry Bonds like, has better characters than a lot of guys. So right, just, but that to me isn't. That's not what's being. That's not the argument. Th- that's the why argument Kurt is, Schilling. Keep, that's why Kurt Schilling's out. Kurt right, Schilling never I agree. steroids. So, no, that's true. I'm saying? not even saying for any particular guy. That, you know, I'm not making an argument about particular people here. I'm simply saying the fact that there are crappy people in there now doesn't mean crappy people have to keep getting voted in there. I think it's no, perfectly it. okay if... for voters to decide, hey, from here on out, let's say that as of now, we don't vote more crappy people in. And you can look at the historical record and say, hey, those crappy people were in before people's minds changed and they stopped voting crappy people into the hall. Uh, I mean, but my thing is, I don't think people's minds have truly changed. They would, Maybe. you know, but, you know, beside the point. Beside the point, but it is an interesting question, and uh, yeah, people should go check them out. The um, when is the vote actually happening? I gotta go look it up. I have no idea. I think it's January. January twenty sixth. They'll be announced. Yeah. Yep. 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 So that'll be fun. It always is. And uh, we will keep an eye on that. If anybody <laughs> wants to do their own versions of who they would vote for and and send them to us. Um. Half Street High Heat account. Are you month. not going to ask my one big thing, Amanda? <laughs> we haven't dismissed everything yet. We were still talking about the Hall of Fame. Okay. What is your one big thing? I have two big things. One. Oh, two big things. I have two. Right. I because I, I know That's you don't have the one. Rules. Not long. I'm going, oh. for I'm going for Amanda. Okay. So my first big thing is that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> wrong, oh. wrong. Wrong, 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 okay. wrong, wrong, wrong. No. My legit one big thing is that baseball was at its ultimate peak of why they're struggling this week. Okay. One. Yeah, good call. (laughs) When LaRusso was hired, he's a Hall of Famer. All these old fuddy-duddies were like, he can't come back and coach. His legacy is closed. That changes the voting. Shut up. Okay. No, like that's all the things about like baseball being baseball. Like it just bothers me. Like who cares? All right. Y'all just mad that no one wanted you guys to come coach anyways. End note. If anyone Hall of Famer, if you're in the Hall of Fame, you want to come back, coach, who cares? That really made me mad. But the funniest thing in the world was that baseball scheduled one of their award shows on the freaking election night. Yes, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Like, it's like, first of all, it wasn't even the normal election. So, like, everyone, everyone was glued to that watching that. So, like, I think it was like, maybe nine o'clock i got an espn notification i was like i know me too and it's like what they're doing the awards right now (laughs) whoever runs runs baseball's marketing has to have graduated college in 1970 and they hate baseball whoever it is hates baseball it makes no sense they do everything wrong and like it's also so funny never 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 change baseball keep being you 
keep scheduling award shows against the freaking election and playoff games against presidential debates and like all these other things. Keep doing you. You're doing great, sweetie, even you're though you're not <laughs> doing great, sweetie. Yeah, it's uh, inexplicable. That one just cracked me up. It was like such it was so intense that night. Everybody's watching the election coverage and it's just like all this craziness. And then all of a sudden my phone beeps and I look down and I'm like, MVP, what? What? What, what is happening right now? What are we doing? Is this is this live? I couldn't believe it. Even with all the things that baseball does, that one really was that was kind of shocking, even though we shouldn't be shocked by them anymore. (laughs) So my one big thing is going to go back to our earlier conversation, which is about um, Kim Ang and her hiring by the Marlins, which is just so stinking cool. And, you know, it's it's weird to be I can't even imagine what it's like for women who are like in sports, because even just being a fan like I never talk about it. I just block people. But the the crap people say to you, even just on like social media or the things people DM to you, you don't even want to know. Like you don't even want to know the kind of crap you get that gets said to you when you're a female just fan. I can't even imagine what the writers and the executives or, um, you know, broadcasters and all those people get. Some of that stuff is probably terrifying and hateful and awful. But it's a huge, huge thing for for girls to see that there aren't any limits for them when it comes to sports that they can, they can play sports. They can be in the front office. They can be in sports media. They can be sports fans. They can do anything they want. And even though there's a bunch of gatekeeping assholes, pardon my French, um, you know, you can ignore those people and, and do anything you want. And that's super, super cool. So that was my one big thing this week. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Kim Ang also way overqualified to be a way GM. overqualified. Her, her resume is on real. She would have been her, a GM resume, twenty years ago if she were. Her resume in. is better than every other GM in baseball. I know. Yeah, I, she's I been with the commissioner's office. She's won three World Series. She's been to what, eight, I think it was eight playoffs with different yeah. teams. Like her resume yeah. stellar. Um, so she's also, well deserving. Well, Major League Baseball has been stuck. They're like so far behind all the other professional sports leagues. It's been the old white guys club for so long. And I'm so, so happy this is happening. So I really hope this opens the door for more people to have the same opportunities and finally end the old white people ruining this sport. And you guys know exactly who I'm talking about. And yes, Manfred does count in that. But all those fuddy-duddy owners, all those fuddy-duddy execs, the PA, all those people who are so out of date have been ruining the sport and they need to come to terms with it. Because look at every other sport and the transition they're having in their front offices and the benefits it's having. And I really hope this brings on the change that this sport needs. I think it's a start. You know, I think there's a long way to go, but it's, there's, there's just a changing of the guard happening. And, and that's a good thing because this, the sport is a little bit, it's just kind of stuck. You know, it it feels like it's a great sport. There's a million wonderful things about baseball. I love baseball, but there's so much that they could be doing better and that they could engage with younger audiences and they could, I don't know. There's just a million things we've talked about a million times, but I, this just feels like such a huge deal. And I know for some people they'll say, oh, it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just one person. And I get that it's one person, but it, it's, it's huge in what it represents. And it's huge in what, you know, as someone who is female and who has daughters, it's very, very cool to see an example like that of somebody who was just so good at her job for so long and finally got what got what she deserved to get, which was a job at the very top of the pile. And I'm super happy for her and super happy for baseball. Yeah. And like, yeah. And look what just happened this week. Like 
we're getting the first ever woman president who's also a minority and then we're getting the first ever GM well, vice who's president, also, but yeah. sorry, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Um, who's also minority. And it's just like, that's two huge monumental things in the span of like 14 days. And it's amazing. And I love every single second of it. Yeah. yeah. It rocks. And also, you know, and again, Kimming way overqualified to be a GM, but you know, it also takes some, ambassadors in baseball like presumably what Derek Jeter was obviously Derek Jeter gave was you know a part in giving Kim finally giving Kim Ng an opportunity so that's huge you guys can be the ambassador for change as well so you know it all takes is the opportunity why give you know why waste a, a valuable position on this quote-unquote young hotshot guy who is just going to run your team into the ground rather than giving it to you know someone like Kimming who is well deserving and probably is going to do a great job. So you know, shout out to Derek Jeter and the Marlins organization. Not as poorly run as you know people may have thought a couple of years ago. Well, they're they're doing the the rebuild process, and a rebuild looks ugly until it doesn't anymore. So exactly, you know, it may very well be that um, her high. I think she's gonna. I think she's gonna do a really really good job. I think. This oh, is I agree. Of good things for for the Marlins. So while they're in our division and I don't want things to go too well for them, I am very much pulling for Kim Meng. <laughs> yeah. Completely agree. And plus not I mean, too much. <laughs> they they made the playoffs more recently than half the league. So right. Than the Nats, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, cool, cool thing. So that is that's exciting and fun and hopefully the uh the beginning of many more such opportunities for people who may not have gotten those kinds of opportunities even five or 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. that is awesome. Anything else before we go? Nope. I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you guys as always for listening. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Oh, thanks Ryan. You're the best. Um, I think we will, we're going to do next week, right? We're not doing weeks off since we're in the off season. We're going to do recording next week too. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next week for sure. And then probably after that, you know, maybe around the winter meetings, which I think is December 3rd, um, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll take the weekend of Thanksgiving off and then be back first weekend in uh, December. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Half Street High. He- I'm sorry, Jesus. I can't read. <laughs> God. Trying to do two things at once at a white seven, eight, seven, seven. I know my own Twitter handle. You can follow the show at half street high heat. Make sure you follow Nick and Ryan at DC Nat Jack and at half Shack cap. And you can follow OPT at one pursuit takes and Monty. I can't ever remember his. I'm going to have to go look it up again. It's a bunch He's of not numbers. even on Twitter anymore. Just check out his blogs. Yeah. You can just check out account. the blogs. He has too many numbers in his now. He looks like a bot. It's literally a bot. Speaking of bots, um, I'm playing zombies right now. Just I'll be there in a moment. Yeah, Nick, get on. Okay, Amanda, keep going. (laughs) I think that's it for me. You guys go do that. I'm going to go get some work done. Uh, Amanda's going to come play uh, zombies with us. Yep. That sounds fun. I wouldn't know what the hell to do, but it sounds fun. Just run around. (laughs) It's also my bedtime, so you guys have fun with that. I'm going to get some sleep. All right, good night. Later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.